Blog Talk Radio. Like give me love, oh. Now you the catch in my shot. Oh. For your sake, I go go touch you. Hey. We go drive around if for my Porsche. Baby, pana, they say he like you all. I, I get you all. Baby, pana, anywhere that you go, I go follow you to go. Baby, pana, they say he like cassava. I get to pick cassava, hey baby, pana. My love for you, you never die, you never die. Iba iba, oh baby, iba iba. Baby, you too sweet, you forever. My baby, dance it to the lagwaja. Make a take you to Fagwalada. Iba iba, oh baby, iba iba. Baby, you too sweet, you forever. My baby, dance it to the lagwaja. Make a take you to Fagwalada. Say love is a beautiful thing. Yeah, you the cool my temper. Love is a wonderful tender feeling. You the give me ginger. The, the, the baby dance, dance, dance. The beauty in your eyes they give me life. Oh, oh. Me could give the love, the dance. Oh, what you say? Oh, hey, what you say? Come love, oh. Baby, give me that body, 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 body. Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to Zambia Block Talk Radio. It is the last day of October, 31st October 2020. This year has been flying at supersonic speed. Welcome to Zambia Block Talk Radio. It is 16.01 in Zambia and 3 p.m. 3.01 in Europe. Our friends, good afternoon and good morning here in Dallas, Texas. It is uh, 902. Thank you for joining us and welcome to Zambia Block Talk Radio. It is 66 degrees, Roger, here. How are you, my friend? I am okay, Nathan. Uh, I haven't checked the weather actually outside, but we have recovered from the early winter storm we experienced early October. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I know, right? Uh-huh. I saw some pictures from somebody there. Uh, they were they showing snow. Has it already started yeah, that snowing? Yeah, that was Eddie, uh, Eddie October I'm complaining about. But we have oh, recovered okay. since then. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Ah, well, excellent, excellent. Well, we have a great show today. And our guest mm-hmm. is joining us from Denver, um, Denver, Colorado, to discuss some energy issues here. Uh, let's wait for him to come in as we as we uh, wait for him to call in. Hi, Noah. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Nathan. Good morning, Roger. And hi, everyone. How are you doing? How is Indiana? Good morning, good morning, good morning. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, Indiana is doing good. I think we are somewhere in the 50s. It's a little bit cooler. And I mm-hmm. think this, of course, to Roger, 50s, it's, it's, it's summer. For us, I think it's, <laughs> we are now uh, going in the closets and uh, uh, retrieving and, I mean, things that we had packed, coats and uh-huh. jackets. 
Yeah, uh-huh. other than that, at least we are we are doing good, doing good. Excellent, excellent. Sunshine State, Sunshine State, which is somebody needs to win to survive the election. Sunshine State. <laughs> <laughs> good morning, everyone, and good afternoon, good evening, for those listening in different time zones. Mm, how is Florida? Those of us who are trying to determine if Miami-Dade County is going to carry whoever and whoever, we are fine. It's sunny, 70 degrees. (laughs) Oh, wow. Amazing, amazing, interesting. (laughs) Yes, interesting stuff going on around, and uh, a lot of things are happening. It's a busy day, busy month, and busy things, busy weekend, busy everything, and uh, we... We, we we shall push on and uh, keep going and uh, we'll do what we have to do. Good morning, Titus. How are you? Good morning. How is Minnesota there? Uh, you, ha- you, you have the same weather or climate there like uh, Canada. Yeah, although we've been having the sun north, we had snow twice, probably a week and mm-hmm. a half ago. But mm-hmm. it's been okay for right now. <laughs> I don't know what Canada okay. is right now. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Canada is big, Titus. Canada is big. <laughs> well, big with snow or what? <laughs> you have snow now or not? <laughs> Canada has, I think, three distinct weather patterns in any given time. You go to British Columbia right now, you are going to have nice Mediterranean, warm. You come to where I am, in one city at Titus, we have three weather patterns within one city. Winter, uh, rain season, and warm weather in one city. So it's all messed up. Okay. Yeah. We are... The, the, the problem is I don't know even the problem. The the mountains the the, the way Alberta is is divided by the mountains and the prairies. The mountains are so high. Uh, they provide they, they bring sometimes very warm <coughs> weather, and then the prairies are so low they provide the, the winter, all in one in, in one place. It's confusing, but when you live here. Then you appreciate uh, life in Zambia would be better. Yeah, excellent, excellent. All right, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, welcome. Uh, like I said, we're discussing energy today. Our guest is Dr. Luca Powanga. He's a professor in the Anderson College of Business at Regis University. Uh, this is in Denver, Colorado. And he's also um, the executive director of the Global Commerce Forum. Uh, he is the managing editor also of the Global Commerce Research and executive director of the Africa of the Energy Africa Conference. And he's joining us today to discuss energy issues, energy investment opportunities, and the Energy Africa Conference coming up in about two weeks. Uh, Dr. Bawanga, good morning, and thank you for joining us. Uh, good morning, and thank you for having me. Excellent. You are welcome to the show. Uh, when I look at your credentials, um, I see your primary degrees are in metallurgy, mineral processing, with an MSc and PhD in mineral economics. Uh, what triggered your interest in the energy sector? Uh, 
Well, that's a loaded question. Uh, and the way I would like to answer it is to give you the background of uh, what's going on in Africa and then yes. settle back to answer that question. So if you look at uh, the whole world, 85% of the people are connected. They have access to energy. Mm. And 15% have no access to energy. And out of that 15%, Sub-Saharan Africa has 55% of that, with South Asia having 34% and 12% going to others. And if you further decompose that 15% that has no access to energy, you are looking at 87% of them being in the rural areas and the only 13% being in the urban areas. Now, if you get you put the numbers to to the percentages, yes, really you are looking at globally one million people have no access to electricity, mm -hmm. and out of that one billion people, six hundred million come out of South Saharan Africa. And if you look at the consumption of South South Saharan Africa, you will see that twenty eight gigabytes is what we use, the whole of, uh, excluding South Africa and North Africa. Mm -hmm. Southern Africa uses only 28 gigawatts. Wow. That is equivalent to what, the, to what Argentina uses. Now think about a country using about the same amount as, as a continent, and this country is not industrialized at all. So that gives you a sense of where we are. And yeah. now if we start making some projections, we will see that by 2030, the number of people worldwide that won't have access to, to electricity is 650, I mean by 2030, 650 mm -hmm. million. And Sub-Saharan Africa will still have 600 million uh, people uh, without access to energy. Obviously, that takes into consideration the population growth. Yes. And if you, you decompose it further, you see that 13 countries have less than 25% access to electricity within sub-Saharan Africa. In fact, even if you go to clean cooking, for instance, you mm -hmm. see 2.7 billion people uh, don't have access to clean water and clean cooking. And yet, most of those 2.2 come out of uh, out of sub-Saharan Africa. So that uh, uh, so if you look at that, those, those statistics are really not very good statistics. No. And when you look at uh, on an individual basis, how much we use. So if you look at an average person living in sub-Saharan Africa, they consume 200 kilowatt hours per year. That is a very minimal amount compared with, say, uh, 1,442 kilowatt hours in North African countries. And compare that with the South Africa, which consumes about 4,148 kilowatt hours uh, per year per individual mm -hmm. person. And if you further break, break down the, the statistics, you'll see that some, other, some countries get much less. Uh, Ethiopia, for instance, gets about 85 uh, kilowatt hours per year. Uh, the DRC, 94 kilowatt hours. 
Uh, Mozambique is a little bit much better at 507. Now compare that with Europe at 5,511, and compare that with America at 11,887 kilowatt hours per year. And if you go into rural areas, you see that the average is 50 kilowatt hour per year. That's just sufficient to charge a cell phone and just some minimal lighting. Mm-hmm. So again, you you see that the, the, we we do have quite a big problem. Now, what is the impact of that? So if you look at uh, most rural areas where wood, charcoal, and agriculture waste are the main sources of fuel for heating, lighting, and cooking, there are a number of issues there. One is obviously they they, they depend on those fuel, they depend on wood and uh, and the charcoal, so that that results in deforestation. And that also has got its own problem because then with deforestation comes comes erosion, soil erosion, and so on, so the agriculture also suffers. Uh, Crime. Usually firewood is collected by women. They have to walk large, I mean, long distances for Mm -hmm. them to access uh, firewood. Firewood. Yeah. And and that's where some crimes happen. Uh, so they are alone, they are isolated, and some uh, some man who is not uh, who has no morals might try to do something. So that's not a good thing. And then uh, you look at the carbon emissions coming from burning mm-hmm. the, the, that fuel that adds up to what we were, what we are battling now in terms of climate change. Of course, the addition from Africa is very little compared to what is happening in the developed nations, but nevertheless, there is something being added. The ecosystem is, is diminished. You look at the Sahara system, the Sahara Desert, it's actually expanding. And those areas that we are burning down, they, they are forcing animals and people to, to, to live together now. And uh, that's not a good thing. And you, you look at the health impacts. Uh, Burning wood causes, I mean, particularly in closed, uh, in closed quarters and like indoors, you end up with, with the respiratory problems due to high levels of particulate matter. In fact, some of the statistics coming out of research indicate that uh, 443 micrograms of particulate matter per cubic meter is what is in existence. And that amount tends to cause more than 50% of the premature deaths among children under five years, and actually 4 million people for lung cancer and uh, heart disease. So again, we see that there are different uh, different problems here that are occurring. And some people may think that, well, I think that the urban areas are well off. Well, the urban areas are not uh, well off either. Uh, If you look at the availability of electricity, it's very, very erratic. Yeah. Um, people, I mean, most of these African countries are subject to what we call rolling, uh, rolling blackouts or short lading, as it's commonly known. Uh, so what you end up with is a system where it's very difficult for you to do business, for instance. If you are in, let's say, refrigeration, uh, you can't afford to go without electricity for eight hours or four hours or even two hours. So what you end up doing is having a backup system, and the backup system is usually a generator. 
Mm-hmm. And generators, they use diesel, which is very expensive. We are looking at at least 30 cents per kilowatt hour. Uh, let's say three, four cents per kilowatt hour if you are talking about the grid. Mm-hmm. So that's a significant difference. And in some areas, it goes up to 50 something, depending on how far away you are from the, uh, from the ocean, because then there are land costs to be, to be considered. Yeah. So, and even those who have, uh, I mean, even when you are connected, the connection is not very stable. In other words, if you look at Nigeria in terms of connection, it's about 96% connection rate, but only 18% of those connections have electricity all the time. So, <laughs> again, you see all these, uh, all, all, all these problems. That, that na, problem. na, 96 to 18%, right? That's interesting. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me ask you this. What has South Africa and North Africa, per se, done right? which the other African countries need to learn from? Well, you, you, you know, the, the, the most important thing is uh, having the regulation and having the, 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 the dedication. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, you have to have some kind of regulation that says, hey, by this year, we would like to have so much established. Uh, so that, like the way South Africa has done, it's, it's moving away from, let's say, I mean, South Africa largely, they have, they, you, you look back, 96% of, uh, over 90% of their, their electricity was based on coal. And now South Africa is moving away from coal uh, so that they, they would like to be more, I mean, to use more renewable resources. Mm-hmm. And they have a plan in place. We are, and that plan has even got milestones. At this point, we expect to get from nuclear power so much percentage of, uh, um, of electricity from, uh, from solar, from hydro, and so on. And within that, they even have a schedule in terms of uh, who is going to do it. Largely, it's done by the private sector. Okay. Because the, the government doesn't have the money but the private sector acts as an overseer to make sure that every company is playing on even ground. So what that has done is to motivate people. They know at this point this is coming, and right now they've got uh, a tender that is going on uh, where they want to to, to do more, more, I mean, use more nuclear power. So... You, what you need is to have a conversation around um, around the policies that you have in place and making sure, not just writing those policies, mm-hmm. uh, and I mean energy policies, but making sure that you can follow up on those policies. And that is what is lacking in most of the African countries, particularly in sub-Saharan Africa. We don't even have an, an, an energy policy. You ask most of these countries, they can't articulate what is your energy policy, how much are you using right now. In fact, you'll be surprised to find that uh, even those top-level people don't even know how much they are using. How much are we using now? What about next year? What is the schedule? And how are we going to do that? And, and then, there is plenty of money there that can be harvested as long as yeah. you show that there is really good faith that needs to, the good faith coming from the government and from the private sector. But many times we talk about, hey, okay, 
We, have, we want the private sector to be involved. The next thing you turn around, the private sector is being kicked around for, for some investment that they made in this area, and you come in and grab the, the, that particular investment. So by grabbing those assets, you are not going to encourage others to come, to come and invest because they are seeing, no matter how much you talk, but they are looking at your actions. So that is yeah. why North American, I mean, North African countries and South Africa have done a great job. Okay. So basically it boils down to uh, good governance, rule of law, all those things, and a sound political environment. So um, Absolutely. interesting. Uh, the energy sector... Before you... Go ahead. Yeah, before you... I just want... Uh, I mean, the point he has mentioned there, let us not go around the circle and just hit the nail on the head. Currently, the PF government is trying to grab CEC um, from uh, whoever owns it. And that is a very, very critical point he makes there. No one is going to come and invest in energy in Zambia when you cannot show stability. I just want to, uh, we should highlight that. There is a problem right now going on. They have failed Zesco. Now they've gone to uh, a company which was being run well, CEC, and they're trying to grab that. See, so that's yeah. copper belt. Yeah, go ahead, Dr. Paul. That's copper no, belt. I was not saying, one of the things to be realized is that um, energy investments, they take a long time. They are not like something that you can invest in and get your return on investment the following year. Uh, usually you get your, ter- your, your return on investments over a period of 20 to 25 years. And that means in that, in, in that particular period, you are expecting the government to be stable. You expect, mm-hmm. uh, in, in other words, you expect your assets to be uh, unaffected by what's going on in terms of politics, in terms of anything yeah. else that is happening. So the, the, you are in a stable, attractive environment. So that if you make your, your prediction that you're going to get your money back in this period, you are going to get your money back. Because remember that the investors are very averse to, to risk. So what they want to do is to make sure that they are assured that they are going to get back their money. But if that's not the situation, why are you even bothering putting in money? Exactly. Exactly the point. Uh, to that point, my next question, Dr. Poanga, is uh, help us understand what has been your approach. What has been, you've done this for 13 years, uh, the conference. We shall get to that. In drumming up interest in other areas uh, of the sector, what, what has been your approach? Because this is an intimidating sector. It's not like uh, setting up a little shop at the corner and uh, it takes a lot of infrastructure, monetary investment is not pennies and and in words. You're talking about large sums of money. Well, you see, the, the beauty about the setup that we have, and we can improve, we can always improve it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are different types of investors. Uh, there are, we have philanthropic investors. Uh, those that are looking to to prop up uh, good projects and they are not expecting to get their money back. There are some impact investors, those who are more interested in uh, uh, 
in seeing that more impact is done. Uh, their investment is helping people around them. Uh, institutional investors, those are largely dependent on, uh, hey, we would like to make a coin. Uh, development funds that are out there to develop specific areas. Uh, venture capital, strategic investors, industrial investors, uh, and carbon investors, and development finance institutions and banks. All those, what they want to see is when you say you are going to do a project, they would like that project to be um, uh, to, to be beneficial and to, to make sure that that project gets uh, gets done, rather than just talking about it. And uh, so when you are going to present to any of these, and of course, like, like I mentioned, each one of these, they are looking for different areas. I mean, they are looking yes. for different things. Uh, if you are going to, to to present to the impact investors, for instance, you have to make sure that this project is, is going to create some impact. So you are going to talk about the improvement in the standard of living of the people around you, the number of people that are going to be improved, uh, the facilities that are going to be generated that will also help people. So you're looking at both the direct benefits as well as the indirect. So you have yeah. to quantify that when you go to, to the investor. Or if you are looking at a private equity firm, you want to show them what kind of profit they can make, what kind of return on investment they can make, and so on. If you are going to, to go to a, a philanthropic investor, they don't want to be pushing in money all the time into the project. So you have to show them that once they... they, they they seed that company or they seed that project, that project is going to grow legs of its own over time so that uh, over time uh, the, you won't have to go back to them and say, hey, this didn't happen, or so we wanted this to happen. Of course, I mean, there, 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 there are times when people can understand why a project hasn't progressed as much. Like right now we have quite a few projects that are just in limbo because of COVID-19. But this is a rare occurrence. So when you go to, to all these companies, I mean, for instance, if you go to a bank, the, the bank wants to know you've got enough assets to cover uh, to pay them back. Of course. So each, each one of these types of investors, they have their own requirements. So the key is playing to their requirements, being able to persuade them, and having your own ideas on how you can do things. Don't go to them, yeah, I've got a project, but I don't know how you can... Uh, how you can help me. That is not a very good start with a conversation. But the, the, the start is, look, I've got this, this project, and this is what it's going to do, and here are the numbers proving, not, not just talking about stuff, but you have to have proof. Uh, here is my off-taker. The off-taker has got to have a letter of intent written saying, okay, should you build this? We are committed to doing it, uh, to, to buying from you. So that when yeah. you take it to the, let's say, private equity firm, they know uh, where you're going to build the pro where you're going to build the project, who you are going to sell it to, and how long it will take them to get their money back, and you, what are the secondary benefits to it, because they are also looking at the corporate social responsibility. So you you have to package the project in a way that it's acceptable to to, to the to the investors. And it doesn't necessarily mean that the first investor is an if you work with them before mm -hmm. that they are going to have to say yes immediately. They may not. And sometimes it might be a very good project, but this particular investor isn't going to, uh, uh, to look into that project because 
they have already matched their what they call their their risk portfolio because yeah. they tend to i mean if you look at banks or investors they tend to spread their risk so that they don't want to put their money in the proverbial one basket so they want to make sure that in Zambia, let's say they may have allocated okay we can only invest up to 400 million so if they've already invested 400 million and you go there with a fabulous project most likely they would not be able they, they would not be very receptive they will say, well, this is a good project. Maybe we can consider it next year because right now we've reached our mark. Um, the risk factor is much higher if we, we, we put more dollars in there and something happens in them. Interesting. Our mm-hmm. guest this morning is Dr. Luca Powanga. is the Executive Director for the Energy Africa Conference uh, coming up in two weeks, November 12th, I believe, and 13th. Uh, those of you that have got questions, please uh, let me know by you pressing 1 on your phone keypad so that I may know that you have a question to ask. Um, uh, Bella told me that you had questions to ask. Good morning, Bella. Happy birthday. Good morning, Mr. Nathan. Thank you very much, sir. Go ahead. Do you have questions for Dr. Poang? Yes, I had a question, and uh, this one is specific to Zambia. Uh, so some years back, uh, the government had announced that they wanted to introduce nuclear power uh, as a source of energy for the country. But the response from mm-hmm. the community, I don't think, has been very positive. But can you shed some light on pros and cons of nuclear power, and specifically how it fits within the Zambian context, uh, for those of us who are not conversant on the dangers or the benefits of nuclear power? Well, nuclear power, first of all, you have to have the the input to, to nuclear power, which means you are talking about minerals like uranium and so on. And and then once you have the input, uh, and things are changing now, uh, what you end up with is um, a project that is going to generate power, but you have to have a lot of water around so that you can be able to cool the, uh, the facility which means you, you are constantly uh, putting water on it so that it can, it can cool down. And then the second thing is you have to make sure that the maintenance is up to scratch. Uh, what that means is that uh, they, you really have got to have real good maintenance because if that thing uh, explodes, then you have radiation, and, it, and radiation goes a long way, and its impact, uh, they take a long time. Uh, before they, they, they can be absorbed. So which means you will be looking at the, the current generation and the future generation will also be affected. So you have to be very, very careful. Uh, the, second, the, the, the third thing is the disposal of the material that you are getting uh, mm. from uh, the byproduct from producing nuclear power because that, that's the, 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 the nuclear waste has got radiation in it. So you have to have a good way of disposing it. It's not just taking it over to, uh, to the landfill. That will be a disaster. So it's understandable why the community would be apprehensive, particularly looking at the way our maintenance system is in Zambia. Most of the times you see a lot of these good companies go down the drain because maintenance is not there. Mm-hmm. ZCM, um, the, the, the former ZCM, the mines, they had problems because of maintenance. Even the current mines have got some problems because of maintenance. 
Now, if you if you think about with the things that I've just said about nuclear, uh, about the, uh, the the nuclear plant, that will really spook you thinking that that's going to be in your backyard. Now, on the other hand, in terms of how much you can produce a lot of a lot, you can generate a lot of power. And the good news now is that uh, the, 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 they've come up with new technology uh, so that you don't really have to use so much wire. Because if you look at our, uh, uh, the, the sub-Saharan countries, most of the times they suffer from having a lack of water. And if you are going to talk about the, this nuclear power, power plant being uh, cooled all the time and you don't have water, now what's going to happen once you have a drought? And now that's one of the problems that the technology world has, uh, has come up with, I mean, with solutions for. Uh, so that is a good thing. But still, in terms of disposal, in terms of care and maintenance, uh, you really have to have people who are diligent about it. And I think that's the reason why the, uh, the community is, is, is not so welcoming. I think basically from what you have said, the, the way you've broken it down, Dr. Pawanga, I don't think that will work in Zambia or most African countries. Um, because our rules, our laws, like you said earlier about one point, they're just on paper and most of the time poorly executed or uh, administered. Uh, that's just my opinion. Everybody listening, if those are not Dr. Ponga's words, I do not think that will work in Zambia. Uh, Roger, your question, comments? Uh, welcome, uh, uh, Dr. Pawang. Uh, you've, you've really uh, laid it out. Um, your, your highlight on, uh, on the effects of uh, not having enough power, especially on the, on the mm. wood, and, and the use of charcoal, that that, that, that one uh, is really on my my heart. I'm I'm not sure how we are going to solve this. Um, I guess my question is with the problems you have outlined, especially for for sub sub Sahara. Wh- what are you proposing uh, on the on, on the table? How should we go about uh, to solve uh, some of these problems? Um, that's a question. That's a question. I'll comment later on something else. You can go ahead. Okay. That, that, that's a great question, and this is the reason why even the Energy Africa Conference was formed. The idea is not just to sit back. This might sound like a very, very uh, insurmountable problem, but it's not. If we, uh, we, we hold our hands together, we can solve it. For instance, if you look at the World Bank projections, they say for us to really uh, get to to catch up with other countries, let's say there's some catching up with uh, South Africa or catching up with Europe, we need to have an investment of about 100, um, 100 gigawatts of uh, output over the next 15 years. And the implication of that is that we need about 40 to $50 billion invested every year. Obviously, that sounds a bit too big if you look at the Zambia, uh, the, the budget is very small in, compare, in comparison with the $40 billion. But we're not just talking about Zambia. We can have a collaborative effort across the, the continent. And mm. we, can, 
uh, and there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of investments uh, that are out there. For instance, uh, you can use sovereign uh, uh, sovereign funds. People like those from the Gulf, they've got a lot of those funds. As long as we show that we are going to respect those assets, once they are established, we are not going to tamper with them. They, they are going to be there until the owners can, can get back their money. And we can do normally what they use as build, operate, and transfer, so that at the end of 25 years, those become our assets. But these people have recovered their money, and we haven't tampered with their money at all, or even their assets. So they run the assets and so on. And also we have to to um, to remember uh, another thing being that uh, while the money is there, we have to present plans on how we want to use that money. It's not just a question of saying, oh, give us money or build this. You have to have a use for it so that these people can understand what it's going to be used for. So, I mean, and I say that money is there because if I look at, uh, I think all of you are familiar with a company called Walmart. Yes. Walmart makes, all uh, every year it makes $523 billion, $500 billion, which is far more, which is about 7 to, 10, 7 to 8% of what we are looking for for the entire Africa on a yearly basis. Wow. And now here is the thing. Walmart does not have the resources that Africa has. If you look at the resources for, for Africa, the, the, there is a lot of potential there. And, I, and I, can, I, I, can, I can give you some of these resources in terms of uh, uh, how wealthy this continent is. If you look at the natural wealth, meaning uh, things like oil, minerals, and so on, per kilowatt hour, per, 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 kilo, per kilometer, our value is 114,000. That's the value. If you look at the rest of the world, the rest of the world only have 23,000 compared with our 114. If you look at the arable land, we have 60% of all the arable land in the world. Wow. If you, if you look at the, and only 10% of it is used, by the way. And if you look at minerals, we have 50% of the world's gold. We have 40% of the world's platinum, copper, diamond, iron, ore. Look at, we are, we are literally walking on money. And yet we don't want to get that money. What we are interested in is somebody coming in, they get the raw materials, they go out there, and we are looking to those people who are getting the raw materials uh, to help us. Nobody has got the interest at heart that Africa, I mean, than, than Africans themselves. Yes, we, you get help from other people, but that should be considered a bonus. It shouldn't be considered as the mainstay. And if you look at the, the remittances that come out of uh, people who are abroad, about $60 billion a year. Now, if we, so if, I do understand that goes to families and so on. If we put that money aside and invested it, we would have, wouldn't have to look out for, for anything at all. And the second thing is we ought to be able to start creating wealth instead of having all these burdens that we have for somebody to create a company. I mean, I can sit here in five minutes' time. I can create a company. 
that's not possible in any of these African countries. In fact, Ethiopia was was boasting about having reduced the the time it took to create a company from sixty six I mean, from one from one week to to one day. But let's 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 move from one day yeah. to five minutes. That's and true. have a support system for those companies. If you look at here in the U.S., it's not these big companies like the GEs or the uh, or the Exxon Mobiles and uh, the the Microsofts that are creating employment. It's small businesses. I live here in Colorado. Ninety percent of the the employment is from small businesses. So if we focus on the small businesses and prop those up, we will be propping ourselves, not propping anybody else. But instead, we try to make it so difficult. No, you need to have this, you need to have that. We create these barriers that are actually artificial. They have nothing to do with the business. Instead of actually giving the, 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 uh, these small businesses support. So in other words, the, There are different ways of us creating money that we can use for ourselves, but we don't seem to to have trust in ourselves that we can do it. And we don't want to see uh, everybody making money. That's how you do it. You get everybody to be making money. Okay. Um, Those are good uh, points, uh, Mr. Pawanga. A good example again in Zambia. Uh, We are just mm -hmm. obtaining a land title. A land title can take you up to one year, two years, just to obtain land title. Uh, you, you know, and that is money being lost right there. Right. And the next time you pass by the uh, the, the 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 land the, the land office, ask them what they do in those two years. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Let Let's discuss the first energy. The, the Energy Africa Conference is coming up, like I said, in two weeks, and we mm-hmm. shall give information and details out. What was the theme? Of, I'm interested in you sharing with us. What was the theme of the first conference? What were the key issues addressed and uh, resolutions vis-a-vis outcomes from that conference? Well, actually, the first conference was a very interesting conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason being that it wasn't called the Energy Africa Conference. Okay. Because when I started it and I said, oh, I would like to establish the Energy Africa Conference and thought, and they asked some people that I thought would be of help. And these people came from the transportation sector, from the oil sector, from the, uh, the, the renewable sector, the environmental sector. And they, they told me outright that it was not a good idea to name it the Energy Africa Conference uh, because nobody would be interested. <laughs> so <laughs> what happened is we named it the International Conference on Energy, Environment, and, uh, and Transportation. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So it was very, very broad. The, the beauty about that is it, it gave us the, 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 the first insight in what we can expect. And this is where I tell, my, particularly my fellow academicians, when there is a problem, we want to study the problem and, uh, until the time when, by the time we're implementing the problem, I mean, the, the solution, the problem must change. So 
start something, and you learn a, you learn a lot from it. So after we started, uh, and and that time really the focus was on price volatility uh, and the impact on developing nations. Now, in other words, because at that time the price of oil was changing quite a quite a lot. Uh, in fact, it it was at hundred and it even went down to fifty dollars uh, per barrel. So this in, uh, attracted a lot of oil companies. They were very much interested. Okay. But then we, the subsequent year, we changed that to say, well, I think we need to be a little more specific. Last time was too broad. It's very difficult to, to provide solutions when things are so broad. But we still continued under the same title. But this time we tried to, to bring the, uh, to, 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 to narrow the focus. Well, when it came to 2010, when mm-hmm. we decided, because that time it was, we, we were holding it in Las Vegas, we okay. decided we should move it back to Denver, uh, because Las Vegas was not a very good place, given that they consume a lot of energy and they do all these kinds of things. So let's go back to Denver, and we brought it back to Denver. And we ended up with a different set of people. And that time we had more of uh, uh, a lot of other people came in from Africa and so on who were speakers. And we, we had an informal meeting about, hey, look, the, the, the initial intention of this was Energy Africa. Mm-hmm. What should we do? Should we consider it Energy Africa or not? And people, the same objection was given. But during that year, I just thought maybe it's time for us to give it a try. So that had been my intentional alone. So that the, 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 there is a brand that you can use and people recognize it that this is what it is for. So during that year, we agreed upon with the organizing committee that yes, we are going to do it. Energy Africa is much better, it's more focused, and let's go for it. And uh, in fact, some people came up with different logos. I mean, there were some people, they were very, very, and we went for it. People still came. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's India. I'm not, uh, not talking about Africa. Africa. Uh, yeah. Because people now became even more curious. Oh, so we can actually enter the African market. Let's hear more about it. Because most people, when they look at Africa, they think Africa is not, uh, you're not going to do business there. All you're yeah. going to do is to give money out. You find a lot of handouts there. Unfortunately, you find a lot of hands asking for money. But that was not the case. We, we had discussions, and it was, it, it was successful. Now, at the beginning, we were, not, we were looking at creating a platform where there could be this exchange of ideas, nice dialogue, and people getting together and investing in some African projects. But that didn't work that well in terms of following up, because in fact, one of our key performance indicators was how many people or how many projects we were able to, to generate in Africa. Mm. But we, we couldn't do that. Uh, we, we were depending on, on people who come to the conference to introduce them to each other and do these things. But that didn't work as well as we thought it would, because people, even though they were really getting the benefits, and doing, I mean, getting together and building, uh, doing some things on the ground, they were not telling us. So it was difficult for us to even make a case to the sponsors. 
because that's one of the, the things we are telling the sponsors, look, if you sponsor us, uh, you, you'll be making a difference on the ground because this is what okay. we're looking at. And they were happy. Uh, so when it came to giving them reports, those reports were non-existent because even though we would send out surveys uh, to, to the participants and say, hey, uh, did anything come out of this conference? Oh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, I mean, uh, the the returns were just very, very few, about 3%. Okay. And so that wasn't very good. That wasn't good enough. And many times I would meet people in the restaurants or a sporting event or something like that, and they would tell me, oh, yeah, you know, for the past six months, actually, I was in, in Ghana. We are the ones building, um, we are the ones building solar plants to feed uh, to feed the foundries, to feed this, and so on. And I asked them, did you see my email, uh, my service? Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. I thought I was going to get back to it. In fact, I even saw the second one, but it all went down the drain. So oh, we felt then from that time that if we have to make a case and we have to show that this is an effective conference, which is different mm. from other conferences, we have to get involved. So for us to get involved, we have to do two things where we make sure that everything is passing through us, uh-huh. and two, where we make sure that uh, we get involved in projects. And the best way to do that is to go out there and source projects, then bring a network that we are going to, to form. And we already have it just that it's loose, so we just need to tie the, the loose ends. Uh, that we're going to form uh, to work on these projects. Explain what you mean by saying everything passing through us. What, what does that mean? Well, what that means is the connections. Uh, for instance, if you are an investor, you want a project. Uh-huh. You come to us and say, I would like to have a project uh, in Africa. I don't know if you have projects. And since we are sourcing projects over in Africa, then we can okay. say, okay, we have this set of projects. Which one would you like to go for? And the, the beauty about that is the investor already trusts us because they've been working with us. And the, the person, the people who are developing projects in Africa, they also trust us because we are working with them. Yes. So bringing this, so what we do, and that's the first thing, in fact, most of the time for those who have got projects, when you go to investors, they want to know, are you involved in this project? Okay. And in our case, we want to be involved uh, with the developers, and we, we do a joint development agreement with them so that we are part of that project. And now we can go to the investors and say, hey, we have this project. You, can, you, uh, can, can you partake in it? If not, who do you think would be suitable for this? They will mm-hmm. tell us, and people always tell you if you ask them, ah, no, we are not the right people, but I think have, have you tried this other company? Oh, yeah, it's in our network. We'll, we'll, we'll do it, and we'll, we'll go, we go to them. So in Excellent. that way now, we are able to catalog the projects, and we are also mm. able to catalog people who are participating in the, in the, uh, uh, in, in, in the project. project. Excellent. Yeah. And it makes it much easier for you to approach all these people. Yeah, I think it makes sense, uh, Roger. We need, we need to do something like that. This is your 13th year no, for Kawanga. Yeah. Yes, and, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And your theme for the conference this year is uh, investing in Africa's energy future mm-hmm. in the new normal. Uh, mm-hmm. 
what will be the forecast at this year's conference? Please give us the date, and the people interested in attending, what do they need to do? Well, the, the, the dates are November 12 to 13, which will be a Thursday, Friday. And the, the people who are interested in attending, and this time the, the price is right, it's free of charge. So <laughs> you need to go to the, to the website, energyafricaconference.com. So that's energyafricaconference.com. And you see the registration button there. And so uh, you can register and you see a, a variety of people. And you also read about the conference. You also read about the, the speakers there. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the other thing is this year we are focusing more on uh, investing in African projects and deploying those projects in the new normal. In the new normal means that we are looking at the, the current environment where traveling has become very, very difficult. And so we have people who are already doing business in Africa come to tell us how are they deploying their projects, how are they making the investments, and how are they navigating the current landscape so that they continue doing business. Because some people feel that... Uh, since we have got this environment, nothing should be done. But yes, things can be done. And that's the thing that we are focusing on this year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. So everybody, that it's November 12th and 13th, Energy Africa Conference, OneWord.com. You register there. Like he has said, it's free of charge. And those of you listening from wherever you are, Europe, Australia, Zambia, you can participate. It's a virtual event, and we encourage everybody to do this. I myself, I plan to, to, to take part and learn from this. Um, as we end our discussion, uh, Dr. Powanga, we do appreciate you taking the time. If someone is interested in investing in Africa uh, or they are in Africa and have a project, how can they plug in? All they need to do is to, to write to me, lpowanga at comcast.net, and show they express their interest, and we, we will do some due diligence on them. Uh, if you have a project, we'll ask our partners. We have partners all over the, the continent. We'll ask our partners to meet with you and find out. If you are claiming that you have land, we'll have to verify that land. And we have to really get information about the project. And if you are an investor, we'll try to connect you with an appropriate uh, project. And usually, just to add on to it, when we talk about an investor, it doesn't mean that we are sitting here with a bag of money. And once they say, oh, we like this project, then uh, they are going to bring that bag of money. It doesn't work that way they too have to do their own due diligence on your company. So what we do, our due diligence is a preliminary uh, investigation, if you will, and then the, the, uh, the investor will also look at it the second time. And once they are satisfied, they are going to come to you. But more, mainly we try to make sure that you are, I mean, that your project is viable so that by the time we get to the investor, even when they make the investigation, uh, it won't be a big deal. 
because they will mm-hmm. find out exactly the things that we found out already. Okay, excellent, excellent. All right, everybody, it's energyconference.com. Energy Conference is one word. The dates are November 12th to the 13th, and I would encourage everybody to participate. This is one viable sector that we all don't think about. You can get information, and you'll be connected to, to this powerful network. Dr. Pawanga, thank you so much for taking the time. Absolutely. Thank you. And just one word, if, if, if it doesn't come up, just Google Energy Africa Conference, and it should, it should shoot up. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Have a good weekend. I will. You do the same. And thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody. That was uh, uh, Dr. Luca Powanga. is the uh, executive director for the Energy Conference, uh, which is coming up uh, in two weeks. I, I, we, we need to participate in this, uh, Roger. It's, uh, uh, oh, yeah. We need to oh, take yeah. part Definitely. in this. I was the... Uh, Seeing uh, an investor, actually, uh, unbelievable what is it Bichel has done. I was seeing an investor uh, last Tuesday, uh, mm-hmm. some a lawyer, an uh, international trade lawyer. He tells me he has a lot of uh, these companies he represents who are looking for investors' investments in energy. So listening yes. to Mr. Puwanga there, I'm like, okay, I'm inviting this guy to just come and listen to, to, to this. Mm, that's excellent. That's excellent. Yeah, uh, we, we 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 need to do that. And um, a, a lot of opportunities there, uh, like he has said. I mean, it's it's free, so to speak. It's online, and uh, it's going to be on that powerful platform, uh, DC Production, that everybody has been using and uh, participating in. So I want to encourage everybody. Please register energy africaconference.com it's free of charge you'll be connected and everything else uh before we go away just a word of condolences to our colleagues on this platform most of you must have seen it on facebook uh, clotilda lost her sister she's in zambia right now attending to that funeral and also our friend here paul you all heard the bell i just asked the question dropped and he had to leave uh they also have a funeral in the family i think he lost an uncle we just want to know everybody out there mourning and uh, some dear friends in Seattle, Roger, the man has been on this show for many You came here many years ago, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Waliamelu, they lost their son. What, what a tragedy, what a sad thing. So we yeah, all have you yeah, in our hearts the... and yeah, we, we, we are praying for you. And uh, let's all call back in for open forum. Uh, what's the next move, right? What's the next move? I like that. What is the next move? <laughs> uh, Dr. Patrick tells us, stop playing with checkers, start playing chess. chess. So as we All celebrate, right, we tend to go. Yeah, let's do that. All right.